So we're gonna, I'm going to start a series starting today, obviously, and then to next Sunday. And the anchor truth of this, or the anchor statement is the following. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, our comforter, our counselor. He is the Spirit of God that leads us in truth and to truth to the will of the Father and our purpose in life. So the title is Our Compass. He is our compass. He is here to guide us to truth and in truth. In order for me to talk about the Holy Spirit, we, I need to talk a little bit about the Trinity. Some of you may know it. We, we throw it out here and there. Um, it's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it's very important in your Christian walk to really understand it. But I don't want to explain it today from a theological base, so you can relax. <laughs> I want to explain it from a relational base, because I think we can understand and digest that. See, the, Holy, the Trinity is three in one. We live in a hyper-individualized society, so it's very hard for us to grasp without the Holy Spirit guiding us what that actually means. You have, starting with God the Father, he has so many names, right? There's nothing greater than our creator. There's nothing. But yet he's also father to you. That's amazing. He's got many names, and you know them. Jehovah Jireh, great provisional name. The God that provides. El Shaddai meaning Almighty Lord and King. Elohim, which is so sacred and encompasses everything that God is when you say Elohim. The early church would describe the Trinity as one in essence, but three in being. I've heard Pastor John mention sometimes that Describing the Trinity in a physical illustration is water has three forms. I don't remember the third one, so you have to help me, but <laughs> it's obviously liquid. It can be frozen. What was the last? Solid. Thank you. I know we have some scientists in the room. Thank you. But that's a great way to illustrate that as well, too, right? That the, the water being being three in one in doing that. But again, our minds, our minds up here are hard to grasp this trinity. Maybe I'm preaching to myself today, but it can be very tough. It's like, wait a minute. God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. But what I can trust in when I focus on the trinity is I have to understand the power of unity. It's the origination of unity as we know it in our spirit. Because they are unified together and the power that can come from that. So you have God the Father who 
he could have done anything with, not time, because he's not governed by time, but with his attention. But he decided to make you and me on a round, round flat, whatever you want to think. It's an earth, okay? He decided to create you. And he didn't, he could have even done like, let's, anybody have an aquarium at home? You know, you have a box and you have fish or reptiles or whatever. And he could have created a setup where he was Elohim God looking down into an aquarium and we were in it. And he would rain occasionally and feed us. He didn't even do that. What was one of the main reasons that he created this? He wanted a relationship outside of what he already existed in. You have the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. And that doesn't get boring, but he wanted a relationship with something. So he created you and me and put us in an earth. And then we know the story. Adam and Eve were created. He was with them in presence. The cool of the day. He could reside in the Garden of Eden with them. And they finally said, bit the apple and said, you know what, we love you, but we think we can handle this thing on our own and make a decision of what's good and what's bad as they're chewing on the apple or whatever it was. So sin entered the world, right? We know this. Sunday School 101. God had to leave. He kicked him out and said, this is not working. It can't work because I can't be around sin. So the, the Bible says over time, he's still trying to establish relational things with his people that he created through Israel, through prophets, Moses, Abraham, trying to, but it's still not Eden yet. So he makes that decision. Jesus, I need you to come to earth. And he goes to be obedient. Do you realize everything that God has manifested in the physical is through Christ? And Christ in ministry was so obedient doing his Father's will. But he was God. Gordon did a great thing on Wednesday, too, describing some of this and the divinity of it. But I also like this analogy. He was get, Jesus was given humanity in a shell and poured in divinity of the Spirit of God to fill him. So he did what his Father called him to do. And through his obedience, he was crowned king for you and me because of that work on the cross. Jesus in his ministry, again, we're still talking about the Trinity, but I want to breathe each roll out here. Jesus in his ministry showed the heart of God by healing, by teaching truth, by always pointing to God. And you have these disciples that are following him and following him and following him and they're within three years learning and, and being taught. They knew God through their Jewish traditions and religions and synagogues, 
but they never knew God in a physical form. And yet he, he was of love, and he wanted to bring more people to know Christ, to know God, his Father, and glorify him. So these disciples are on a new adventure for three years, seeing everything they've never physically seen before. And then Jesus starts not only teaching, but reaching more to say, all right, it's your turn, disciples. Let's see what you're learning out of my truths that I've been teaching. So they're starting getting involved in some of manifestations and things like that. But then towards the latter part of his ministry, Jesus, he starts talking about leaving. He said it a few times, and we're going to read in a minute, or even the disciples, you got to think, were so dumbfounded because they didn't even ask where he was going to go. Like, what? Wait a minute, we've got momentum here. Something good is going on. And you're going to leave? I don't understand. There's in, uh, I believe it's in John somewhere, in the message translation, when Jesus comes down, the word, Jesus is the word. Physical manifestation of God and everything we know currently. And it says he, when he came down and was birthed in a manger and started his ministry, it says, God moved, the word, excuse me, moved into the neighborhood. Yes. Moved into the neighborhood. Both of our neighborhoods. Didn't matter what side of the tracks. He moved into the neighborhood. So the disciples can see this all in action. One of our anchor scriptures right now we're going to read for today and uh, next Sunday is how Jesus begins to disclose that he's leaving. Can we go up to John? We're going to go John 16, 5 through 12, though. I only want to go to verse 12 if we can. So just think of this. It's a nice sunny day. They're hanging out with Jesus. And he says to his disciples, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you, as I mentioned earlier, ask me where you're going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth. It's amazing he has to disclose that. So they must have been really distraught. When I say it's, it's profitable for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, here we go, Holy Spirit. Like, no, go back. The comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship. And when he comes, he will convict. Here's what we're going to hone in on today. The purpose or the work of the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. Keep going. About sin because they do not believe in me. 
trust in me, rely on me, or hear to me, the world around us. Keep going. About righteousness, uprightness of the heart and right standing with God, because I go to my Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler, evil, genius, prince of this world, Satan, is judged and contend, condemned and sentenced already, is passed upon him. Some of us need to remember that. I have still many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them or take them upon you or to grasp them now. So the emphasis here is the Holy Spirit. The third part in our trinity that we're going to really focus in on now. So when Jesus continued to say, I'm leaving, their sorrow had to also be filled with a void of unknowns. But they weren't really listening. (laughs) The unknowns of, all right, is this movement stopping? Because you're leaving? But then Jesus is putting the pieces of the puzzle together, saying, No, the movement is just beginning. (laughs) But it's going to continue with you and with the Holy Spirit in you to do the same things I've been doing for the last three years and even greater works, as some of the scriptures say. So we're not slowing down. When I leave, you're picking up. So just think of a disciple trying to configure all this. It's so important to recognize the Trinity. Lately, the Holy Spirit on my heart is just in the mornings. We call it a prayer or just a time of focus has been a a very laser focus of God. Thank you for all you've done. The creator of everything. We honor you. Thank you. Jesus, we worship you. What you did on that cross for me to become king, you are the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me daily so I can hear you, hear you. We talk too much sometimes. Hear you so you can guide me to truth, like I said earlier, and let God. My Father's will be done in me. I think if you begin to address the the Trinity in your daily walk, you're going to see things happen that are different than haven't happened before. Some of us are praying so much to God, 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 when we got a guide standing right in us that we're not even paying attention to. So much of the church is powerless, and we've been victim of this too here at Faith Christian Center, not intentionally, that we haven't welcomed. The Holy Spirit to guide us. We're too busy looking up sometimes when he's already in us to guide us. 
And Satan does not want you to understand the Trinity. He wants you to continue to talk to God in heaven and Jesus sitting next to him on the right hand. Those are good, but if you don't have a guide to lead you in truth, it's not true relational and things will not change in your life and those around us that have been called to do things. Does that make sense? So let's get into it quickly and move here. Um, So there's three things that Jesus just said. That the Holy Spirit is coming to convict the world of sin. You're not so heavily minded. You're still in the world, so you're you're still the target (laughs) of your sin too. Uh, And then he's going to remind us and lead us in to remind us about the righteousness that we have in Christ and what was done on the cross. And then we're going to get into the judgment real quick, reminding us that three things. Satan's already been judged. Some of you need to really digest that. Unbelievers, unfortunately, are going to be judged. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. And then we're going to be judged. What would you do with Jesus? We've all been called to him, but have we been called and come close and abided in him enough and followed him where we find our purpose in him? And you're going to be accounted to that purpose. Man, this is a jumping up and down day today, right? Believe me, follow me along. We're going somewhere. So let's jump. I'm not dying. So we're going, to pack, we're going to sit in this for a minute, though. We know sin is what? Sin. <laughs> Our culture repackages it, redefines it. We do at times, too. We make excuses for it. But sin is sin. Sin separates us from God. And certainly is part of that grieving of the Holy Spirit. Sin is unique because it can... Let me articulate this. Going off my note, leaving my notes. Sin can put us in bondage, in slavery, without disclosing the cost in the long run. And that slavery is a deceivement form of freedom. Because I can choose my rights, I can choose everything I want to do. Bless God, this is America, wherever. And I can do what I want to do. That's what we're feeding our young kids through Disney. Don't worry, I'll still go to a theme park someday. But Disney, all the, everybody's feeding that you can do what you want. Consequences have been characterized as just part of life, but not as our result that we contributed to it. Does that make sense? So if I do everything I want to do, whatever happens, what be, what be. But it's all the root of sin. Sin is all self-reflective. Me, myself, and I. Paul in Romans 8 talks about, well, let me back up. I mean, most of you work and you get wages, so you know where I'm heading. You get wages for, I exchange my time, energy, intelligence, whatever, and you give me a paycheck every week to the employer. Paul knows that and gives the example that in sin, you put your time into it, you keep self-centering yourself into it, there's wages coming, but it's death. The wages of sin is death. 
We are not a perfect people. We're peculiar, but not perfect. But we need to draw lines in the sand knowing when sin is sin. It, it grieves the Holy Spirit. No condemnation. I had, um, years ago, I was dealing with anger. Not raging, police show up anger, but just, you know, anger with things. And I, and, and I had to really listen to the Holy Spirit over time and say, what, convict me of what, why is this so an issue in my life? First of what I had to ask if it was an issue, and he shined the light and said, yes, it is. Uh, and you know it because you're always a cynic of everything. You know what cynicism, cynicism is, you know, just everybody thinking everybody has their own self-interest, so I make fun of that to hide some anger, and I get angry. I'm going to get a chair. I feel I'm therapeutic here today. But. So anyhow, this, but the Holy Spirit dealt with me on that in love and said, here are things you need to work on. But I'm your guide, so here's what we're going to do. I need you to remind that you've served the Prince of Peace. You need more peace in your life than uncertainty and fear. So he began to fill me with these things where that is not an issue because my security lies in whose I am, what we were talking about earlier. But these are little sinful things. Addictions to alcohol, to medication, whatever. It can be, it oppresses. It's these things that the Holy Spirit wants to show in your life if you let him and say, look at this. But God, because the work on the cross is redeeming you from this so you can have forgiveness. You just need to surrender and we'll work together to get this out of your life. A few scriptures. 1 John 1.8. Talking about sin a little bit. I'm not going to leave this yet. 1 John 1.8. Do you have that? I'll read it. 1 John. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. So we're not living in truth. We obviously don't have the Holy Spirit leading us in truth. So we're grieving and pushing the Holy Spirit out of us. Galatians 5.17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out the God's will in your life. The Holy Spirit sits by when you sin. Can't do anything unless you let him in. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but you got to let him in to help you. I believe when we come to a point in maturity in our Christian walk and maybe not be involved in much sin or, again, life happens, but you need to be aware of things. At some point, because we have a dying world around us, the Holy Spirit will reveal in you others around you that may have sin. Don't leave my thought here yet. Because some of you are like, amen, brother. Yeah, I told sister so-and-so she was sinning last week and you're going to hell in a handbasket. That's not why the Holy Spirit works in you. Like I said, 
There's a point in your life where you're well discerning and hearing the Holy Spirit and maturing and getting into the fullness of Christ where the Holy Spirit may say, hey, you know, you know, Sister Susie, she's wrestling with this issue. In love, I need you to meet with her and talk with her. And in those conversations, it's not conviction, but it's like, I'm being sensed that you're struggling with something. Be in mind, when people are struggling, they're in a far better position to listen than people think they're not lost and they have no problems. And I'm fine. Those are the worst statements. I'm fine. But let the Holy Spirit speak to you for Susie and say, this must be going on in your life. Can I pray with you? You know, because the Holy Spirit is always waiting to showcase Father God at any point of your day. And I want to tell you, you don't have to be in bondage to this. But through God's love and the work of the cross, you can be set free from this stuff. Can I just pray with you? So there are times that you may be called to speak into some lives. But I've seen so many times when so many people leave the church because many of our Christians decided to have Christian court TV going on and they judged when we weren't called to judge. See, a lot of our Western culture has seeded into this idea that when people come to church, that my, I'll just put me under the gun here, that my eloquent speech, my wonderful words, and my gifting to connect is going to transform you. No. <laughs> the Holy Spirit transforms every, each and every one of you in this room. We just need to be guided by the Holy Spirit to point people to Christ's work on the cross. So, so many churches have said, had a checklist, you can't do this, you can't do this, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning. I'm, or, does this make sense? I'm trying to, tra- the church is trying to transform you. No, the Holy Spirit is here to transform you. Doesn't mean we evade any responsibility in leadership, but we got to know we ain't all that in a bag of chips. It's the Holy Spirit, and in love, we guide people. People repent to the love of God. So you will be called to convict and bring shadow of people sinning, but it's not to judge in a sense. It's just to point in love to the answer. So how... Do I apply the Holy Spirit to pinch me, talk to me when I have sin in my life? It's real simple, but we tend to not want to do it. Start in the morning in your prayer time. Holy Spirit, I know you're in me. Please tell me if I have sin or if I'm going down a track that is not God's will in my life. And then shut up and listen. (laughs) Listen, he will speak to you. How long do I have to be quiet until he speaks to you? For some, it may be long because you've been talking too long. All right, let's talk about number two. I know we're moving on. So, oh boy, I'm, we're going to go a little over today. Is that okay? Even if you don't, I'm going to do it. 
All right, so the next thing is the compass into righteousness. This is what Jesus said. Remember, he said conviction of sin, the Holy Spirit's coming, and into righteousness. I'm not done stepping on my toes and your toes. For some of us, we just need to grow up. Grow up to understand whose we are in Christ. We are set apart. And the enemy wants to pull us apart sometimes to think we're just not righteous. Guess what? We aren't without Christ. We're just a bunch of good intentions without Christ. The cross made us righteous. Here's a wonderful thing I read the other day. It says, Jesus freely offers us justification and his righteousness when we experience his saving grace. Without Jesus, God cannot accept us. The world needs to hear that. We are all still filthy rags, so it's important to receive Jesus' righteousness. After then, it's up to us to keep working it by desiring his holiness above all else and pursuing Christ-like character. The Holy Spirit wants to make you into the image of Christ. But it takes us to know that we have to grow up at times. There's so many things that we've been given opportunities in the body of Christ to, to grow up. And I'm not perfect at it either. I still want to suck my thumb at times. But we need to grow up. You are the righteousness of God. You are set apart. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 2, 10, 12. I'm just reading it. I didn't put it up. But it was, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. Paul's talking about access here. When you're the righteousness of God, you have access to things that others don't, that don't know him. For his spirit reaches out, everything, reaches out everywhere and everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely give with us. When we know we're the righteousness of God in Christ, sin is more dimming and distant. And we are focused in on our purpose in life more and more. We fly at a higher altitude, not because of how great I am as a pilot, but because who the pilot is, which is the Holy Spirit in me, flying. So when, when people at work see you react versus respond to things, are you showing the image of Christ in that situation? Or are you just sounding like another coworker that doesn't know God and the righteousness that's in him? The righteousness of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to keep reminding us of it. So the Holy Spirit gets busy, I bet, with some of us because he says, okay, you're the righteousness of God in Christ, but maybe uh, you think you're all, you, you are so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. So we've got to figure out if there's a lot of pride there and get rid of it. You're not the righteousness of you. You're the righteousness of Christ. So that's one. Then on the other, you have people that have just been brought up that are very insecure, low self-esteem. Well, I'm not worthy to get to be righteous right standing with God. Too much was paid. Heaven was almost bankrupt for you. He knew what he was getting. 
put that oppression, things like that aside. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness. The other thing that can happen when we're not really walking in his righteousness and the Holy Spirit may have to call out is we kind of sometimes live in this cheap grace mentality. Cheap grace is not real grace. A lot was paid for real grace. And it's not your crutch as a Christian to always keep doing something, say, oh, I'm sorry, but never fully repent. Speaking to somebody. We need to come to a place where we can rest. And that resting is trusting in God and what he's doing in us. And that in us may not know what tomorrow may bring, but come what may, if you're with the Holy Spirit as your guide, he will guide you in truth, no matter what. But you have to recognize he's with you. You have to. Next, let's talk about another fun thing, judgment. Mm, Amen. Preach it. So there's three areas that I, I know Jesus was talking about Satan, but I snuck in another two. I don't think I'm retranslating the word of God. It's all true here. But I wanted to hit on three points of judgment, what the Holy Spirit can remind us of. First, Satan has already been judged. There's freedom in that because anything that Satan's bugging you in life and doing it, it's something you've licensed him yourself. He has no power over a spirit-filled believer to dictate you, possess you, and make your life a living where you're not going. (laughs) Right? He can't. And the other thing is judgment of unbelievers that I said, and then as Christ followers, we are going to be judged, but we got some good news if we do what our purpose is. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. I want to take the time. It's very about what I just mentioned. He says, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and on the cross our Redeemer judged Satan, overcame him and casted him down. He is now a condemned criminal, a vanquished rebel. He reigns, he, his reigning power over all believers is broken. He hath great wrath knowing that his time is short, but that wrath is held in check by his conqueror, Lord Jesus. In his passion, our Lord fought Satan foot to foot and overcame him, spoiling principalities and powers and making a show of them openly, triumphantly and over them. Believers, thou this. May the Spirit of God convince you of it. O tried believer, the Lord Jesus overthrew the devil for you. He crushed the powers of darkness for you and believing in him, you shall find evil dethroned in you. And all the forces of sin hurled from the high places, you shall overcome through the blood of the Lamb. Again, I say, believest thou this, Christ is made of God unto us sanctification. He saves his people from their sins. He makes them holy and so breaks them in pieces, in, with their, breaks the pieces in enemy. Thou it will cost you many, many a conflict and the beaded sweat may in the hour of temptation stand upon your brow as you fear that you will fall from holiness. Yet the Lord shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly, for he has already bruised him under his own feet, and on your behalf you are set free. So Satan cannot lead your life. 
It starts with this mouth sometimes, though. So let's talk about unbelievers. Peter, just filled with the Holy Spirit. We go on in the book of Acts. It's filled with the Holy Spirit, now activated on planet Earth as Jesus goes up into the heaven. And we'll talk more about that. But the first real altar call was talking about judgment. When Peter came out of the upper room, and we'll read it in a minute, and he had over 3,000 were saved. So there was a big crowd out, outside. Again, as we know, upper room, tongues came in. Holy Spirit fell, filled every one of those apostles that were in that room. There was good unity in that room, which always helps and sets the groundwork. Amen? But then Peter, sorry, Peter came out and started preaching because they're wondering, well, what's going on? You all folks drunk at 9 a.m., you know? But he starts pitching the altar call this way. I don't mean to say pitch, but it is. Acts 2, 19 through 24, Peter focused on this. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he came right out of that gate. There's judgment. What are you going to do with that? There's judgment. And then for believers, we always need to know that at the end of our life, Paul talks about sitting as Christ, as our representation, and being into the glory throne room of a God and Jesus, and saying, what did you do with my son? As a believer, as a believer, so important. And the Holy Spirit will remind us of all these things, not to scare us, but to remind us how good God is so we can avoid this. Amen? But it should bring an urgency for those you know near and far from you that don't know Jesus as their personal Savior and maybe Lord. Because there is, we've talked about at the beginning of the year, there's eternity. We're all hitting it. Just which way are you going? And your people and the people who don't accept Christ will be judged. Be part of that chant. Be part of that opportunity to lead them to Christ in everything we do. Pastor Ray talked about last week about a cure for spiritual laziness. This helps my cure a lot knowing that I don't want to be judged. So we better get busy a part of, a part of our Father's business and doing things, right? Because there will come a day. Those who think today is going to be like tomorrow, you're being comatose into this world. Another way of saying it that we hear many preachers say it, it's preaching hell, fire, and brimstone, which that's needed at times. You have no guarantee for tomorrow. No guarantee. No guarantee. That's why it's so crucial to be present. Present. So those three things. He's going to convict us of sin. He, Holy Spirit is going to convict us of sin. Also uh, reminding us and bringing into the, uh, the truth that we are the righteousness of God in Christ at the end about judgment. I want to do something really quick here. Oh, where's my phone? Gary, 
I don't pull props up, props out unless there's a real meaning to do this. Can you come up? Don't worry, nobody's gonna get embarrassed. I think, John, come on up. So I want to describe before we end today. You can you can stand here. Don't worry, nothing too much. I want to describe in this illustration really the importance of the Holy Spirit. We just learned what Jesus said, but I wanted to go deeper, and next we're going to go very deep about daily what he should be guiding you in. How many of you know that the Word of God is important to digest daily, if we can? But how, know, how many of you know without the Holy Spirit in you while you're reading it, you're not watching a colored program. It's black and white. So even better, and I've mentioned this before, uh, anybody under the age of 30, this is a road map. It's a road map, all right? What's on your phone nowadays? So I believe in this, what we're talking about as his compass, the Holy Spirit, that the Bible, the Word of God, which is Jesus, is like a map for our life. Can we agree on that, whether you like it or not? Can you guys hold that? All right. So we have the northeast here. We have Maine, which, by the way, is God's country, his backyard. <laughs> then we have us down here, Rhode Island. So here's the word of God. Is it okay? Have you ever held one of these? I know with men when I was driving, I don't need directions. I'm just going to find my way. No, no. How did I hold, Jones? Okay, all right, there you go. Here's the Holy Spirit, our compass. So imagine without the Holy Spirit, I'm looking over here and saying, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Oh, wow. You shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. Christ many times depicted himself, especially the woman at the well, as being living water, living word, living word, meaning we have to live in this, in this geographical area. But the main point is, we know we have to live in it, but do we know where we are now? And that's the Holy Spirit saying, He supplies all my needs according to riches and glory. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this bill? Water bill just tripled. Wait a minute. Holy Spirit, where am I? I'm not there where I need to be living in this. So like laser focus, the Holy Spirit will show me where I need to be in this living word at all times. Does that make sense? Because if we don't have this, I'm just, hey, that's nice. Yeah, I'm confessing all these great things, but I don't even know where I am. The Holy Spirit's going to guide me to where I need to live in these things. And it's so important. The church has been robbed because, (laughs) in many cases, because we're not affecting the world for Christ because we still don't know where we are. We know where we should be. I can dress nice and smile in church. I know where I should be. But only the Holy Spirit knows where I am now, leading me in truth to where I need to be. So important. So in your prayer time, in when you're reading the Word, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's throughout the whole Word. Calls it Him sometimes. He, His. Invite Him to help you look at the map every day. 
Where do you want me to be? Because you know where I am right now. And doing that can be a very effective way of impacting your life personally. Many of you people are not, many of you people are, you think you're here, I've said this before, you think you're over here when you're really over here because you're, you're like this. And not holding the Holy Spirit up. You can look all you want, but where are you starting from? Again, back to the Trinity. This is all relational. All relational. All relational. What a wonderful job. Thank you, gentlemen. (laughs) You get to fold it. I don't even know how to fold it. Thank you, guys. Does that make sense? Let's stand. Oh, the other example I want to do, don't come back up, was you can read scriptures too, like uh, have, you know, it says, uh, without faith it's impossible to please God. Well, if I'm not being discernment in the spirit of where I am, I can begin to inflect on myself, always saying, do I have enough faith for God? And the Holy Spirit, for me personally, over time, it says, wait a minute, no, 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 let's go to another scripture where Jesus says, all you need is a faith, faith as a grain of a mustard seed. So it's not quantity, but it's quality. And that's through the Holy Spirit that he can leave you. Another thing, I'm going a little over, but I'm sorry. And No, I'm not sorry. The other thing, too, the Holy Spirit, I was always getting hung up by the word believer, believer. I know we've had some staff meetings about it. And, and, and I'm looking everywhere. Jesus says believers, believers. But, you know, especially through the COVID thing, crisis, and everybody's like, well, I'm a believer. So when I say I'm a believer, that solidifies the entire word that I'm living it in me. And what I've, the Holy Spirit's been showing me is, no, believer is the right word, what Jesus said, don't contradict Jesus. But what it is, is our mindset is upside down because we, and this is through the Holy Spirit, because we are thinking, because we believe something, we've solidified it. But believing is an ongoing thing of becoming what you're believing. Believing is a thing that you're always becoming what you're believing. It's not a knowledge that you're just settled in, said, because I believe it, but that's the Holy Spirit that will tell you that someday. Because we have a lot of believers that just think because they believe and there's no becoming closer into the image of Christ. They're not truly living anything out. Boy, I've stepped on a lot of toes today. So next week, don't miss it. We're going we're gonna to talk about the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. We talked today about a lot of the things that Jesus said, why he's coming. But then next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you if you're a child of God, right? And about getting it filled sometimes because we run empty or we leak, as Pastor John says before. But getting that filled. And in that filling, you'll start witnessing the power of God in you and it can only go through you from there because your cup runneth over when you do that, right? All right. If there's any of you here today that do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, the gift that was given to you to give you eternal life and to give you a relationship, I would like to pray with you. Tomorrow's unknown, but today's now. I would like to pray with you. You see, the world gets so busy that we forget that there's a good eternity of life with God, and then there's a bad eternity called hell. It's real, and it's up to you where to choose. 
but through accepting Christ as your Savior, the work on the cross, him forgiving us of our sins, like we talked about earlier, sin, 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 and bringing us into righteousness and a relationship. And then from that, beginning to walk out your relationship until you visit eternity with him. If that's you, come down now. I just want to pray with you. It's a big step to do up front. I'm not dressing it up anymore. No? Okay. If you want to pray with me after service, come down. I'll be here.